Yo, what up, what up? From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Manny, and this is Mike Line, a show that looks to discover the origin story of your favorite artist or major player in the music industry. We ask the questions that you have always wanted to get answered, and you never know who may pop by. Don't forget, we migrated into separate shows on Hypebeast Radio, so you have to individually subscribe to the shows you want to listen to. Search and subscribe to HBR Show, Business of Hype, and Mike Line, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Do it now so you don't miss any episodes. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. For this episode of Mike Line, we talked to Freddie Gibbs and his manager, Lambo, about their early beginnings, signing to a major label again, working with Mad Lib, and a ton more. Welcome to Mike Line. So we are back, new podcast episode, and I got two of my favorite people in the world. I'm going to have them introduce themselves. You go first, nigga. Benjamin Lambert. Freddie Gibbs. What, a reason why I asked both of y'all to come on the show, because I think y'all are like, the story is really dope. How like, this is what it should be. You meet up with your friend, y'all become friends, and y'all work together in the last for years. Just because I see that doesn't really happen a lot. And for y'all to still be doing this together and at a high level every time, every release, I guess I want to start with how did y'all meet and the journey? Well... <laughs> I was selling crack and gear. <laughs> and, uh, you know what I mean? And I just, you know, I, I started making music. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how the fuck Lambo found me or, you know, not even how you, you know, the, the crazy part about it is ain't how he found me. It's just the, how, how can you see the, the talent through, the, all that old, through all that bullshit music? <laughs> but, you know, he had the ear, and, it, you know, it's, it's a testament to what his ear is. So, he, you know, he got a great ear. I was a college student at uh, UC Berkeley, and I was like 19, I think, and I was interning at Interscope. And they were like, find me somebody who's not from L.A., New York, or Atlanta, or Chicago. And I had been like, that pretty showing. much fucked everything. Yeah, right? I was like, well, at that time, like, it, was, it was hard. You where know? you gonna get a nigga from? It was like the pre blog era. So, yeah, like, you couldn't, is... it wasn't like you could just go on a blog and get found. Exactly. Like, it was like you had to really like dig through some stuff. Yeah. Message boards and weird websites. And I would just finish my work, schoolwork, whatever, whatever, and like listen to music. And, and I ended up uh, like finding like this weird demo on this website called Southwest Connection. It was like, 26 kbps like the file was like so low budget like some old like 1800s recording you know no bass but this dude was like rapping like crazy on like an Allen iverson instrumental i was rapping on Jules, Allen I- the, Jules, the song Allen that- I-, I like that beat Mm-hmm. Or NBA said you can't make any more songs because it was like so offensive. Yeah, she was crazy. <laughs> he shouldn't have made no more songs anyway. He didn't. He shelved his whole album after that. But yeah, but he Shout was out like, yeah, that's my nigga. Oh yeah, but like he was like dissing Chingy on it, and I was like, what? Like this? Like what the hell? Like, angry black rapper nigga, <laughs> just mad as fuck. Just and Gary, just mad. Gary would make you mad than a motherfucker, man. Just walking outside, you like, man, fuck this shit, man. Go shoot somebody today. <laughs> Well, you know what's crazy? While you was talking, it made me think of, like, people have it so easy today with finding music. Like, before, like, internet was shitty. There really wasn't any sites back then. You, like, legit was, like, risk your computer exploding. They're searching through message boards, mm-hmm. little, like, back alley websites and shit, download, downloading shit on LimeWire. Right. So easy. Wasn't no Pornhub then. (laughs) What was we on the internet for? Why were we on the internet before Pornhub? The 2000s were just like a weird time for culture. You know what I mean? It was. From fashion to mute to everything. And like the internet was in a weird space because it was like post Napster, but like pre-streaming. So it was just like a lot of like 
pirating and like a free, tons of out. Right. Yeah. All streaming is is Napster. They took yeah. the they they forced the nigga out, took his idea, and said, "Look, we about to do this shit. <laughs> we about to double up. <laughs> we about to double up. You can't do this shit, nigga. What the fuck? Fuck you think this is, nigga? You trying to stream some exactly. shit? You trying to be an innovator, nigga? Like, nah, we got this. You good? You good? So this is what year? But this is like I think 05. It gets it gets fuzzy, you know. But I want to say around 05. No, 05. But even still, 05 and then what's this like? 14 years? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. crazy. He got signed to Interscope. And, and then 05, I, I was in college. I was there for the birth and death of Hyphy in Berkeley. Mm. So mm. it died in 07. I graduated. Freddie got dropped. I thought I was going to have an A&R job at Interscope. But Freddie got dropped. The guy I was working for wasn't there anymore. So I didn't get the job. Freddie moved out of town. And then uh, I was kind of like trying to figure it out. I took a job at Stone's Throw. Freddie came back um, through our friend Josh and me and like Josh bought him a plane ticket and like brought him back to LA because he was done rapping like he was out. I was out. I was like, "Fuck this shit, That's man! Crazy. This shit is fake." Because there was no way in if you weren't on a label. Like you, there was right. no, there was and no like. And at that time, you know what? Getting dropped from a fucking label was like, um, that was like your death. Yo, that was like your death. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if you got dropped from a label, like. In the '90s or the early 2000s, like, that's like, it. Yeah, that was. It that was, was like your, damaged that was your goods. Like, yeah, it was damaged goods. You was considered so damaged goods. Nobody else would give me another deal, nowhere. Especially th- that I didn't even get to the um, the point of having a fucking release date. They like, damn, if these niggas don't even want to release your shit, yeah. why would we want? And he recorded sign? a whole album there. Yeah. And this, what year was this? 2005, 2006. Yeah, he did damn. a whole album, Interscope, and never, never came oh, out. Album. And then, oh, um, it came out. <laughs> <laughs> shit just didn't come out with them nigga, yeah. But came out. yeah but it's like I don't know you know also it's just people want to like dis- they want to discover things and yeah. like if someone else discovered you and you already had your situation and, and like it didn't work like the next man you know people love to be the first on something like mm-hmm. first culture yeah. and it's a different way now like it's much faster on like social media but like back then it's like well somebody else signed him so like he's not my guy you know what I mean and I feel like that works in the world just like you have your guys, you know what I mean? And like, right, yeah. people will sign somebody just because they were first on them. You know what I mean? Or like, they'll their favorite artist will be somebody that they heard first. It's like when people are like, "Well, I liked that before everybody." You know what I mean? And once other people know about it, they move on. And I think that that made it difficult, you know? Right. Because people are like, "Well, why aren't you? Why did you get dropped?" You yeah. know what I mean? And sometimes it's political reasons and yeah, a lot exactly. of other things. And it's definitely political. Yeah, for the talent it was clear. But it, was it was there. Just, yeah, that, and that's why. Josh and I were like, bro, like you got to come back and like, like you're too good. You know what I mean? Like if people hear you, but back then it, it was, it was not easy to be heard. Right. Now you can make a song on GarageBand or Fruity Loops, whatever, upload it the same day yeah. and blow up and monetize it yourself. And like back then you had to have some gatekeeping. You had to go through a gate. Do you know what I mean? To like get in the yard. So we used to be like, oh man, we're just going to like parachute in, in the yard. You know what I mean? Like we're going right. to go around, around the doors. Like so that's what we started doing. I was yeah. just like, you just started making music and it was crazy and we were finding people to to write about it you know right definitely it's like we definitely took a real uh diy approach to everything you know and we still carry that same mentality even though the uh we're uh, just partnered up with rca so i mean that's just been you know you got to be a dog about this shit man you know what i mean because shit, nobody wanted to give us anything every everything that we had to get we had to take it it's so like crazy because to listen to the journey and you being dropped for interscope and now year getting back on a major but 14 years later right. it's like it's full unheard of. circle no. it's crazy. It's like kurt warner like dead ass i was telling somebody i was like if you would have told me 
14 years ago that I was gonna have to wait this long to get another record dude I would have stopped mm. I would have been like oh fuck that shit then I'm not doing that and you know we did I mean? our indie thing you know we've been doing it and like shout out to Empire they've been great partners and like they are great partners but you know we also have known Tunji for like a decade mm-hmm. right. this, we met him he was a rapper we met him at a Fonte <laughs> video shoot right in downtown LA shout out to Big Poop man <laughs> the little brother I love little brother I love Tang I don't know like Tunji just was our friend for the whole time and like he got in a position where he could do something with us and it's, it's dope, man. And it's crazy because he he been one to you know sign me for yeah. the longest, probably since, for like the past like since, five years. Since BFK, yeah, since he had his his you know he was at other labels or whatnot, but the nigga couldn't do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he had the resources to do it, and you know at that time I probably wouldn't. I, you know I didn't want to. I mean like you know it was a period during that 14 year, 12 to 14 year span where we didn't even really want a record uh, deal. We was just like, all right, you know what? Fuck that. You know what I'm saying? Like let's just do this how we do it and and we'll be fine but you know what i mean some but in all essence of that we outgrew that mentality so to speak so like now it's like what we're doing is kind of like too it's too big it's too big of a deal not to you know to to have it on the highest platform and to have some like real marketing behind it because we've never really like spent money on marketing you know and it's like that makes a difference you know yeah Yeah, definitely i mean you know that's honestly i think that's the only difference between myself and uh, some of my peers, you know what I mean, is the the marketing dollars that's been spent on them. It's been millions spent on a lot of these guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, I'm still, like, talent level-wise, I'm still just as great as them. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting year. You know I was mean? about to because, ask. Because, you know, Freddie Gibbs with steroids on it is some whole exactly. other shit, you know? <laughs> and, it, like, from the outside looking in, it's, yeah, like, I t- like, all the previews of the, the like, stuff on social, mm-hmm. the, um, I love the, uh, the prints that we've been making, and like, it's so, it was like, oh shit. Right. Like, the anticipating is like, oh, oh yeah. you can feel You're it. talking about like the zebra and all that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Jeff Jank, yeah. Love, love shit like that. But I also want to ask, like, the longevity, just because it's hard to last in music, especially hip hop. Right. Just because now it's just like, you can be there and then gone. Gone. So, what do you credit that? Um, really, just uh, me and Lambo, like I said, having an ear. Knowing um, where, you know, just being strategic about what the kind of music we drop, staying, um, not be getting caught up in the hype of shit, but not being too nostalgic at the same time. You know what I mean? Like kind of, you know, it's, it's art to that, like staying in the middle of that, because that's where your longevity lies. You know what I mean? Like you could be like, you know, I don't want to name no names. But you could be like, you know, you could easily put yourself in a box, yeah. you know what I mean? And say like, oh, this nigga does just like rappy rap hip hop or this nigga just does like all the trap. We never put ourselves in that box. You know what I mean? Like I could do, I'm the most versatile rapper, period. So I could do anything. So why would I limit myself to say this or this? Well, I'm gonna stop the money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? On this end, you know, when I can get it all. So it's just like, I think uh, honestly for, for us, I think um, our versatility uh, drives our longevity. And I think just like also musically, um, we've always tried to stay a couple years ahead of everybody and ahead of ourselves where it's like when we finish something we're already having conference we talk every day for like two to four hours every day like about creative and everything and like we'll be like all right what's the next project like we're always doing that and even like pinata that was happening during like bfk and esg and all that stuff and cold day and hell but like we were recording that for like three years you know and and back then it was unheard of for like freddie gibbs who was doing like stuff with jeezy and like two like you know what I mean? He always was doing both, but like people were putting him in a box of like trap at that time. And he was recording an album with Mad Lib with like Raekwon and Danny Brown and Earl Sweatshirt. And like no one was doing that. And a lot of people now do that because 
feel like genres we're in a genreless world now you know yeah where it's like because of festivals and like stream it's like playlist culture instead yeah. of like cd culture yeah. you know right and like we, i feel like we really paved the way for a lot of that with that um and just even like producers we worked with like you worked with like Kay Trinata and like Frank Dukes like before a lot of people and like Kenny Beats like we worked with him like just before the real wave and like that's just because like I don't know we we're fans of music so we're already listening to these people you know right. and we reach out and and vice versa and, yeah. uh, one of my favorite covers all time freshman year 2010 XXL wow and it's hit me that one it's like I love that cover one of the reasons why I love that cover is one I was interning at Fresh at, at XXL at the time when I was in college and I didn't know anyone I think that was like I was like like I knew of Wiz a bit just because of Spitter. I was a huge Spitter head, but I was like, I was like, damn, who's this? <laughs> and I remember reading your um, the bio, and the first thing I said, this dude from Gary, <laughs> Michael <laughs> right. Jackson crib. And I was like, oh, let me just listen to this up. And Babyface Killer, oh my god, yeah. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah, man. So I definitely that cover introed me to not just yourself, but like that's. I remember immediately going to J Rock and listening to Come Home. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember immediately going, like, figuring out who Big Sean was, all that stuff. And I just think that cover was a really iconic moment. So I just want to take me back to that time then and then the cover. Because I'm just interested, how did that, was the cover day like for that? It's crazy because, like, um, I mean, you know, glory be to God, I don't, I don't even know if I was supposed to be on that shit. Because I was the only guy that didn't have a deal. That's what I was just about to say. I think what's yeah. out was that you were completely, completely 100% independent. Yeah. 1,000% independent. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know what I mean? So maybe I was on the cusp of getting a deal, you know what I mean? But you know what I'm saying, man? My dad always told me, you know, always be so good that you can't be denied. And I just think that the music at that time was just so mind-blowing, like you couldn't deny it. They could try to stop my fire out all they want. All these political motherfuckers can keep me out these labels, all this shit, kick me off radio stations, ban me, motherfuckers and ban me from like satellite radio and shit like that before, you know what I mean? So like a lot of motherfuckers did everything in their power to put my fire out, but they, they couldn't, you know what I mean? Because this shit's supposed to happen. Can't stop it, it's fate, my nigga. So that's how I looked at it because I didn't have any leg up on anybody. I didn't have no special hookup, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, getting on that cover or nothing like that. I ain't had no like, you know, no inside information. I ain't have no nothing, you know what I mean? All I had, I walked in that motherfucker it was just with my talent and that was that, you know what I mean? But that that cover was definitely, um, definitely iconic. There's some great MCs on there, you know what I mean? That's still around. Yeah, Definitely. like, I think that, to me, that's my favorite cover. Yeah. We were trying to go to 2011. I was like, if you look back, like, that cover was, like, perfect. Yeah, that one and the one after it was good. I think that was probably the best one. And then the one with Kendrick and Meek and them. Run me through that day. What was it like? That, that day was actually, I don't know. It was a crazy day. Because, you know, it was a bunch of rappers in that motherfucker. A lot of them niggas had egos like a motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? So, really, I wasn't really fucking with none of them in the room. I'm going to be honest. You know what I'm saying? None of them niggas. The only one I really, really chopped it up with was J-Rock. You Can't forget OJ the Juice Man. Oh, yeah. OJ the Juice Man. I fuck with OJ the Juice Man. He's the he wild card on that cover. Bro, that's so crazy. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> OJ the Juice Man was that nigga. He was cool. Bro, he's influential. He's super influential. Yeah. Super. And everybody's cool. Everybody was cool. But I didn't really, that day I wasn't really fucking with nobody. And the attitude. Niggas was in there on some Hollywood shit. <laughs> but but it was it, it was a good experience though. The crazy part about my freshman cover shoot is Kendrick Lamar was there. Mm, yeah, he came. He, I heard he came with, uh, with J Rock. He came with J Rock, and it's like I don't. It's like we knew that nigga was gonna be on there next year. He was like rapping for his life at that time. Like anywhere there was rappers, he was coming and like rapping. Yeah, like when J Rock yeah. was doing a cipher, he was coming too. You know? Yeah, we was doing shows. Kendrick was opening up and shit. 
You know what I'm saying? So he he was on the grind. You know what I mean? It's like we knew niggas knew like he was gonna you know do what he do 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 what was projected. He was good. He was great. When did you meet Malib? Wow, Duo I met over Man, the duo in Los over. Angeles. Mm. I have pictures in like '08. Yes, I think 08 or 09. I was working at Stone's Throw, and I was a Madlib fan, like growing up. You know, yeah. Freddie was wasn't as familiar because he's from the Midwest and like grew up on different stuff. And I was like, I grew up on a lot of stuff, but like I got really into that at some point in high school, like Dilla and Madlib. And and my first industry job was like the Slum Village Street Team when I was 15 for Fantastic Volume Two. So I was into all that stuff, you know. And then like Madlib, I was a super fan. I met him a couple times at like Amoeba Records. I would go up to him, like probably like as a fanboy, like, hey man, you know. But then, like, when I was working over there, Stone Store, like, I was managing Freddie and always kind of, like, talking about him. But I was never pushing it because it's not how I like to do things, you know, around people. I always wanted to get Madlib beats, you know. And then they met each other a few times. I don't know. It just You had a Madlib beat at Interscope. Mm-hmm. Deep off Pinata was a beat that he had in 05 that wow. I had gotten through Egon in 05. Damn. We got, I got beat CDs back then. And he never used it. And we used to drive around bumping it, be like, oh, this would be dope. But like, you know, we can't work. We, how are we going to work with Madlib, you know? Right. And then we ended up using it on that album like later. But they met and we just started working, you know? We had like 15 beat CDs. That's right. crazy. Yeah, it just became a, you know, it's a friendship at that point. It was easy. You know what I mean? It was organic, you know what I mean? And it's usually things come out better when it's that way. Um, how did y'all, I guess, when did it click to be like, oh, we should probably put out a project? Uh... Probably when we got so many songs under our belt or whatever, you know. Like I said, man, the first one I was really just shooting in the dark. I didn't really understand what it was yet. Mm. But I knew that those songs were powerful, though, mm. what I was doing with those songs because, you know, um, wasn't nobody rapping like that at, at the time. And I liked that on over that shit, you know what I mean? I think so. the way that people react to the thugging video, too. Yeah, that, too. I think that's Because that song came out and it got a, a good reaction yeah. and all that. And like, um, it was cool. And like right. the 12 inch did good. Like, shout out to Egon. Yeah, Thuggin was like, yeah, the video. When we made Thuggin, that's when we knew we should do a whole album. I was like, right, I should do a whole album of this shit because people were really fucking with this. Like, Thuggin set the tone for a lot of videos that's out mm. now. Like, yo, like, favorite rapper nigga wouldn't be in the kitchen with all his homeboys. Like, if it weren't for the Thuggin video. Like, I put nigga, but I did it in a way that was so. It's still a story. Exactly. It's still a story. Like these exactly. niggas just stand in the kitchen. <laughs> that was like GTA in real life. Yeah, for like, real. Yeah, like nigga, I was in that motherfucker cooking Santos. crack for real. You know I, what I'm saying? I remember vividly watching. I'm like, oh shit, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was niggas in that smoking crack, cooking crack. It was, you know, it was a very vivid depiction of what really transpires. Curious, like, were y'all surprised about just a general widespread like praise it got? Like, I th- I don't think anyone said any negative about the album. It was just like, this is one of the best of the year, hands down. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, shit, it was, I think that it's, de- it's definitely a classic. I feel like now, like when we put Bandana out, people gonna go back and revisit Pinata for sure, for sure. Cause I mean, they so closely related, you know what I mean? So, you know, and honestly, I think this one is a, a classic as well, you know, in its own right, you know what I mean? Um, I ain't even really, I haven't listened to Pinata probably in the last, like, ever since I started recording this shit. I don't even listen to that because I didn't want to bring any remnants of that to this. I don't think neither of us really listen to any of the old music. I don't listen once in a while. Yeah, every it'll once pop in a up while. on my iTunes. I'm like, like, oh, that's cool. I did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I pat myself on the back every once in a while. But it's like, you don't always want to go back to a place and a time because when you're making those things, you're in a certain place and time and it's like, I don't know. I feel like to move forward, it's it's just good to keep it moving. And, and I've talked to people that have worked on great albums, and they're like, we didn't listen to it after we put it out. Like nah, classic albums, nah. you know? 
Because, I mean, motherfuckers get caught up in their shit, you yeah. know what I mean? And they feel like they can't recreate that energy or recapture that feeling. That's why all these niggas doing part twos and the anniversaries and all that shit. Fuck Never that been about that, shit, you know? Yeah. So that immediately brought up, my next question was like, did y'all even want to do a part two? Did you feel pressure to do a part two? Or was it something that it but just I, happened I don't think again? it's like a part two, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, if you look yeah. at like, like, like a groups like the ghetto boys or tribe called quest or ugk like those albums are all different things tribe called quest didn't drop like low end theory too after low end theory it was midnight marauders mm -hmm. and it's like a totally different sonic album do you know what i mean yeah so for us like frame out it's like a group do you know what i mean yeah. so like pinata is one thing one movie yeah this is a different movie i feel like it's all in the same family though you know yeah. like that movie the girl with the dragon tattoo like all the movies ain't called the girl with the dragon tattoo <laughs> it's this it's the girl that did something stuck a knife up your ass and then you got the next one <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like she fucking niggas up you know what i mean it's a central theme yeah but you know what i mean different titles or even like a movie from like the 80s like there'd be a run of movies with the same actors like yeah like uh What's an example? I don't know, like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd or whatever, but mm -hmm. like Ghostbusters and there's like something else. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah. it's all the yeah. same world, same directors, same producers, same actors, but it's a different plot and movie. And like this album is, it's different, you know? It's, it's a different time and the music is different. Freddie's a different person and artist. And Madlib's different. It's like Cube and Day Day, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> shit, Pinata was fucking last Friday. This shit is all about the Benjamins, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So it's, it's, it's different, you know what I mean? But it's, like I said, it still carries that same essence. So everything's going great. Then the case happened. You beat it. How did that change? Beat that shit up. <laughs> how, <laughs> how did that change? I guess your your way as an artist. Does it change you as an artist after that? Because yeah, I remember yeah. talking. He was like, I almost said fuck it. Yeah, I almost said fuck this shit. I was like, man, you know what, man? If I can get caught up like this, being a fucking rapper. I don't want to be a motherfucking rapper because if I wasn't a rapper, that wouldn't happen. If I was the average Joe going over there minding my business, that bitch wouldn't have said that. I uh, uh, sexually uh, lied about me sexually assaulting her due to the fact that um, I, me, we had no zero physical contact whatsoever. That's what pissed me off about my shit. Cause this is like my nigga. Like I didn't, I never had any contact with this person at all. I never even gave her a hug. You know what I mean? So, you know, so with that said, like being in a prison for some shit like that, like- Overseas it, too. Yeah, overseas too. Like it's it does something to your mental. You feel you start to feel like man, like the government or the powers that be, how they can do whatever the fuck they want to do with me. And a lot of that situation, and we didn't make it all about. We didn't, you know, we didn't make a. We kind of just no. like let it happen, and you know, and got through it because we yeah. we knew like through the process, like I always said, like the truth's gonna come to light. Like you'll see right, what, exactly. what really like yeah. didn't happen. But like a lot of that was racially charged, and you know, Definitely. but but it's like I don't know. It's hard to like explain that you know what i mean while it's happening but Definitely there was a, a lot charged. of things going on where it's like we'll switch out this person for this person right and i ain't come and yeah. my bad my bad no it's all, all right, good because well. yeah go ahead, go ahead. just you know it's like there was a lot of things and even like with judges and using his videos against him mm -hmm. in the courtroom being like yeah, I showing the that. thugging video yeah the, the, the first the first uh hearing uh bail hearing or whatever they was like oh yeah freddie gibbs is a gang member all kind of i'm like damn what the fuck do that got to do with a sexual assault you know what I'm saying? Like, like my nigga, let's be, you know, clear, clear cut. Like I didn't, I don't how, how they indicted me. I do not fucking know. There was no evidence to, if, if that case would have went down here, I wouldn't even. I think it would have been over in a week. It would have been over in a day because the police would have been like, uh, there's zero evidence of anything. Like what? He didn't like, like, bro, I'm on camera going to my room by myself, all kind of shit. This girl walked through the hotel 
went in another guy's room, had champagne, threw up in his bed, went to the uh, bail desk at the end of the night, asked the bail boy for his number two. These people all came to court and testified against her. So, you know, if somebody raped you at midnight, you ain't still stumbling through the hotel at 3.30 a.m. In regards to what happened, and we'll never know what happened. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't know what happened. But Ray certainly wasn't there. I definitely wasn't even in the room. And you know what, too, man? Another thing, like, I didn't, like, go when I came back. I ain't come back, like, bashing the girl or, oh, this bitch, this, that, bitch. Is that. I ain't, no, nah, I ain't come back doing none of that because I didn't want, you know, I, I, re I ain't want to carry that negative energy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to bring that negative energy to me. You know what I mean? I didn't want women to start looking at me like, oh, well, you know, you a rare case. You know what I mean? This nigga's out here really raping shit. And it is. You know what I mean? So I don't want to, like, discount, uh, you know, actual victims that's out there, you know, getting violated. You know what I mean? When, you know, because, you know, shit, we got to we gotta stick together in this shit, man, because there's it's some sick motherfuckers out here, man. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to, I definitely didn't want to downplay none of their struggles and none of their pain. I got to. I got a, a daughter, you know what I mean? A mom, a sister, you know, nieces, like shit. God forbid anybody do anything to them. So, you know, I, I understand that standpoint. So you came back and you stopped making music for a while. Yeah, I was about to say fuck all of this yeah. shit. I ain't want to. I think you like, had to get back comfortable, yeah, you know? Like, I mean, that, that situation was, was crazy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, I think Freddie had to really, it was like coming home from war or something where it's like, yeah. that's like a shock. And it was just like, for all of us, because it was exhausting. Like, yeah. I had to deal with 11 lawyers in three countries and I couldn't even talk to him for like a month at a time because he's in a prison cell. So I'm like dealing with these people. Then he's dealing with them on his side, like seeing them in person. And like, so for all of us, it was like a very tiring and like grueling situation. I think when he came home, he just wanted to be with his family and like, yeah, I just wanted to just be with my family, man. Like I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't even want to get, I didn't even want to be in the public eye. You know what I mean? Like, part of me was fucking embarrassed. What the fuck? Like, I, I don't, I don't want this shit on my fucking name. Like, I don't want to be associated with nothing like this. But you know, everything happens for a reason. And like now, like I said, I, I could be an advocate for you know victims and like guys that get falsely accused. And, you know, on both sides. On, yeah. bo on both sides of it. You exactly. know what I mean? Not just guys that get falsely accused. Like I said, rape victims and sexual assault victims as well, because. You know, that's a fucking sick crime. I think, shit, they talking about all this prison reform shit. You need to up the time on that shit. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? Like, I got homies that's doing 20 and 30 for selling fucking crack, and you got these, like, rapist niggas walking around getting out in three years, and all they got to do is register themselves as a sex, you know what I mean, a sex offender. And that's bullshit. I did that shit. Look, look, it's crazy. On my old block, before I moved to my new house, I had a motherfucking uh, sex offender stand next door to me. Mm. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, no, nah, I got to get the fuck out of here. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? Like, one day, one night I came home, it was a whole bunch of, like, a uh, SWAT team van, like, a whole, like, police raid, like, right in front of my house. That's crazy. So I'm thinking, like, at the time I was, I was with my baby moms, and like, I was, uh, she calling me, and she like, yo, don't come home. I think the feds here to get you. And I was like, what? I said, bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm right down the street. And I turned on the, on the block and I said, shit, it is the feds. She said, don't come home, don't come home. I'm like, fuck. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? I'm like driving down, my driving to the motherfucking <laughs> police scene. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, bro, like what the fuck? And all I could think about was my daughter. I'm like, should I turn around and run? But I was like, man, my daughter in there, man. And I was like, man, fuck it. I'm just gonna go turn my, whatever the fuck it is, I'm just gonna have to just turn myself in. Mm -hmm. And this was 
after coming from that. Yeah. So I'm like, man, the police or something got it out for me. You know what I mean? They couldn't catch me up on that bullshit over there. So I, I'm like, these niggas about to fuck me over. They they got the feds at my house. I'm like, man, fuck it. I pull up to the house, get out of the car. I was like, yo, I got two guns in here. I had the guns out. I'm like, surrender. You know what I'm saying? Get on the ground. Motherfuckers walk up to me like, oh, we ain't look for you. <laughs> I was like, what? Man. They was like, well, they was like, oh, nah, we here to bust this dude uh, next door. He's doing kitty porn. I'm Crazy. like, y'all niggas brought a SWAT team out for the kitty porn, nigga? And I was like, nigga, how come y'all ain't notified us as neighbors that we got a nigga doing this shit next door? Y'all just now, y'all just bust out SWAT team. And like when I saw the the feds jackets and shit, it, it wasn't like FBI or DEA. So I knew it didn't have shit to do with it. Was like yeah. police, right? <laughs> it was like the internet police, right? It was like it, I, something icy. It wasn't ice. It was something else. We That's crazy. Some internet People shit. People that used to get you when you used to pirate off Napster. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Exactly. You know, well, they got a whole, they got a whole <laughs> goddamn task force <laughs> with, with motherfucking AR-15s and everything. <laughs> And they was like, oh, it's just the wrong house. My bad. It's the next door. I'm like, what the fuck? What That's the fuck? Crazy. Y'all scared the shit out of me like that, man. That's crazy. Yeah. The music since then has been fantastic, I think. And it's been like, each project has been like its own story, what you were saying. And so I just think making, so the last, what was it, what was it like two years ago? You Only Live Twice? Yeah, You Only Live Twice was, was like 2017. 2017? And then last year was Freddie and Fetty. Making these projects, I guess, it seems like you're having fun again. Yeah, definitely. How did you get back? Um, hmm. making You Only Live Twice uh, and making Bandana, I was pretty much making those at the same time. Those was fucking hard, difficult projects to make because I had to get back in a swing of rapping and getting, you know, my shit back together. I mean, you know, shit, man, just, you know, praying on things and just finding my inner peace and just, you know, being in a positive mind state, you know, um, got me, you know, back to having fun in music, you know what I mean? Because shit. Shit, I lost like shit over half a million dollars fucking with that case. It was a point where it was like, goddamn, nigga, I might have to rap <laughs> just, to, you know, to bounce back. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, I don't want to go back to the streets. And, you know, I was just like, man, you know, I love this shit. And, you know, it, the game loved me back. So I got to I got to get back to it. I can't just I couldn't just stop. You know what I mean? But it, it, it did get to a point where I did want to stop. But then, you know, I had to think about, like, all the people that made, you know, sacrifices for me, you know, to even be where I was, like, you know, Lambo and Josh and stuff like that. So stopping would have been, like, you know, shitting on them, and I didn't want to do that. Beyond that, I think you also had more to say, you know what I mean? Yeah, I did, you know and what I'm saying? to do, you know, like, even with, like, Freddie, like, you never made a project like that. Exactly. Like, I'm just going to go, like, all trap, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, the hip-hoppers are going to be like, I don't like this. And then you're going to do Mad Lib, and the trap people are going to be like, I don't, I don't, like I don't get it. You I don't know get what it, mean? right, like, exactly. But we don't, we don't care, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't give a fuck, man. I like to make, I mean, shit. There's enough music out there you can find what you like yeah next album might be a fucking r&b album you never know he's my the king nigga. of r&b i'm the king of r&b first of all let's get that shit straight <laughs> fuck all these niggas going on these tours and shit i see the millennium tour y'all ain't got your boy on there fuck all y'all niggas <laughs> <laughs> b2k all the marion nigga y'all can't hang with freddie k the freddie album packaging i think that was probably the best yeah it was definitely the best i think it was the best cover of last yeah. year it was one of the best rollouts you know what I mean, hundred like, percent. Yeah, we hit him with the infomercials. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, man. And I came mean, with the troll. I mean, you know, what? like we've been shit. We've been marketing ourselves for years. You know what I mean? So you know, we know what the fuck we're doing. You know what I mean? And, and we like know, to have fun with it. Yeah, we like to have fun with it, man. So I mean, that's you know, that's just what builds the brand. You know what I mean? Like it's um, the whole process of us putting the Freddie project together. You know, 
we was on the phone and just trying to like fucking like figure out the fucking title. Yeah. Like the title. How it's going to look. Thank you. Gonna be the another, title made yeah. it what it is. Yeah. It made it what it, you know what I mean? The rollout, it made it, you know, the look of it and all of that. Because I could have put them same fucking songs and had some dumbass title like Live from the Streets or yeah. In the Gutter. You know what I mean? And it wouldn't have had the same fucking impact. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that's why I tell niggas, like, music is a total pack. It's not just making the fucking music. It's mm. the whole package that goes along with it. You know what I mean? And it's fun to play with, like, juxtaposition. Yeah. Because it's like... Like you watch a movie like Drive or something, and like it's just like hardcore. Like that's one of my favorite movies. It's of a great time. movie. Shadow of a Doubt was like really inspired by that. Movie. Yeah, it was. The yeah, art, definitely. everything, and the music. But like soundtrack. Ugh. No, yeah. it's crazy. But that's what I'm saying. Like that's a hardcore movie, super violent. Mm -hmm. But the music is like beautiful. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. All that like Johnny Jewel, like Tavansky. Yeah, yeah. And all that. So it's like the juxtaposition. So like with Freddie, we're giving him like the hardest trap like 808 kenny beats like banger album with freddie saying like the most hard freddie stuff and then the art is like pink with like right. teddy pendergrass and right like freddie doing the lean yeah you know? yeah it popped out rappers was posting it they was like yeah. this shit crazy you yeah. know what i'm saying that was so. the most love we ever got like off of artwork you know what i mean like like a lot of people posted that i think what also helps you when i've been telling people you are by far my favorite rapper to follow on Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Instagram right. down right now. I'm trying to post some bullshit. The shit down. God damn it, Instagram, get back up. What's I'm like this. If you need on social media, you follow Vince Staples on Twitter and you follow Freddie Gibbs on Instagram. Well, if you do that, your day, I'm telling you, you always get good content. I don't know where <laughs> I don't know where he goes to find this stuff. <laughs> Like the depths, you know how like James Cameron made it, got a submarine to go to the bottom of the ocean? Yeah. Because that's just what you do when you have that much money. I think Freddie found the bottom of the internet <laughs> and he just like dwells down there. In the, like in the midnight hours, like I'm sleeping and I'll wake up and be like, you just posted something three hours ago, but I saw you five hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely, uh, I get all my shit definitely from the depths of hell, that's for sure. You know what I'm saying? And like, I don't know, man. I just like to laugh, man. Like my homeboy, uh, Josh, rest in peace. We used to like look at bullshit videos on like Rotten.com and you know, shit like that on YouTube. They used you know to be like, I mean? yo, come look at this. And I'd be like, right. I'm good. And we was, doing, <laughs> we was doing that before before there was a smartphone. Yeah. So it was just like, we was doing it on the computer. It's like, look, nigga, look, nigga. You know what I mean? Like just shock value type shit. We love to look at that shit. Like me and him love to watch like fight compilations and like Kimbo uh, Slice. near death <laughs> yeah. compilations. And like, I don't know. Girls getting hurt, like shit like that, like girls falling and kids falling and shit. The shit's funny, you know what I mean? So, and Freddie Gibbs does not uh, condone any of this behavior. No, I don't. I don't condone this shit, by the Public way. Public service announcement. <laughs> He's just a curator. Yeah, a I'm a curator. Funny I, shit. Yeah, everybody got the videos. I just, you know, it's my captions and the way I present them that, that, that make the shit, you know what I mean, great. So, you know, it's just, it's just cool, man. I'm just doing it for my homeboy, Josh, man. It just make me laugh, you know. And you're going viral a bit because I saw that you predicted the Andre Ingram signing. Hell yeah. <laughs> the day before. Dog, I'm the Black Swami, dog. Like, I'm, really, I'm really the Black Swami, dog. I'm telling you, man. Like, really, with this sports shit, man, it's just all oh, this. NBA players follow him, so it's possible Rob Palenka or somebody saw that and was like, that's a great idea. That's, that's a, good a good idea, idea. Fred. You know what I'm saying? Them niggas need to put me in the front office. They need somebody <laughs> in that lake of front office anyway, man. Magic, <laughs> fuck it up. Goddamn, Magic. And then you um, recently linked up with Mike Tyson? Yep, I was with Mike and Snoop. How was that? Because the video of Mike Tyson showing how the punch went viral, I'm just like, God damn, he still got it. He's such a legend, man. Yeah, I would not take a punch from that nigga at all. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, 
If they if the nigga said, hey man, we're gonna give you a million dollars to take a punch from Mike Tyson, I'm like, hell no, nah, you're gonna have to spend nine hundred thousand reconstruct my face. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know so, you still got it. Yeah, yeah so I ain't about to get that. I ain't yeah. about to get hit by that nigga for a hundred thousand I'm out. Yeah, that video was frightening. I was like, Oh, yeah, oh, I was, no, no, no fuck way. away. And I'm glad that when we were smoking, he didn't like have a flashback and throw a punch or some shit like that. You know what yeah, I'm that's saying? That's crazy. So. It was you, him, and Snoop. Because those are like two of the like being just like a 90s kid. Yeah. Those are two of the 90s Mount Rushmore. Like 100%. Snoop and Mike Tyson. 100%. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's why like, I said I was living my second childhood in that yeah. picture. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, me and Snoop, we talk all the time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the they big trade homie. memes and all trade memes stuff. and shit all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and you know, Mike Tyson was just like, you know, a legend, man. It was it was it was an honor to sit next to him. It was also scary as fuck. You know what I'm saying? He one of them niggas like you don't know if you he don't, gonna he like pop off. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you don't know if you like if you might like be like, hey, Mike, thanks. And he like, what the fuck you touching? Me for? <laughs> like I I I, I, I tread very very Man. lightly when I was around Mike Tyson. I kept my hands to myself. Like yeah. I didn't even want him to think that I would do nothing like yeah. that or whatever. <laughs> you know, like. My nigga, like, I don't want you to think I, I don't want none of them hands at all. Period. I remember I remember interviewing him, and I just inadvertently, without even thinking, said, was call him sir. And I was like, oh, thanks, sir. And I was like, why am I, like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, yeah. it's Mike Tyson. It's Mike yeah, Tyson. Like, yeah, you might want to call the nigga sir. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's Mike Tyson. Um, but, yeah, to close it out, I would say, what is the advice, taken from both of y'all, would you give someone who is a young artist or who is a young manager? What advice would you give them? For me, I would just say, like, you gotta just like keep going no matter what people think. You gotta like believe in what you're doing because a lot of people are gonna like not understand until it happens. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're doing something that hasn't been done before or doing it, you have a vision for something, you see the end game. A lot of people like aren't gonna understand like the process in between. You know what I mean? Like like the Sixers trust the process. Mm -hmm. Like it's a real thing in everything you do, not just basketball. It's like with him, like a lot of people didn't understand. They weren't ready for that. Like we used to take meetings and people be like, where's the, where's your hook? Like, where's the auto tune? Like, and it's like, like this type of music doesn't work anymore. Like, you know what I mean? And it was like, no, like this is will this will always work. You know, it's just that people have to come around to it. You know, people are, people are followers. They like to follow what's hot, but if you're doing something great, like that's, that remains forever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So it's just like, I just, I always joke like on my Instagram, like never give up. And I'll post like a crazy picture of like two like celebrity, I don't know, just crazy stuff. But like, that's some real stuff. Like believing and just like listening and learning and studying the environments. And like, if you don't buy into, you know, what you got going on, your artists or your team or, you know, then nobody else will, you know what I mean? So you gotta, you definitely gotta believe it. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks guys. All right. That's today's episode of Mike Line, and thanks for tuning in. You can listen to more episodes of Mike Line and keep up with everything Hypebeast Radio at hypebeast.com slash radio. Subscribe to Mike Line on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Overcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts on. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at ECM underscore LP and follow Hypebeast Music for more original content and music news. Let us know who you like to have on the show, and thank you for listening to Mike Line.